Hi, I'm David Hurley. When you're opinionated and challenge people and you're not shy about it, it used to be the people would call you loud, brash, maybe a boor. But now in 2017, they call you a disruptor. Fuck, I was just getting comfortable with boor. Welcome to my podcast on politics and strategy, business, journalism, music and culture. Welcome to The Hurley Burley. This is going to surprise a lot of liberals and new Democrats, but political consultant Nick Kuvalis is a smart and thoughtful guy. Achieved notoriety for his work with Rob and Doug Ford in Toronto and with Kelly Leach in the federal conservative leadership race, he's also a successful advisor to more mainstream politicians such as Toronto Mayor John Tory and former British Columbia Premier Christy Clark. Uh, we caught up with Nick Kuvalis shortly after the Federal Conservative Leadership Convention and had a chance to talk to him about what motivates him in politics, uh, why he chooses the candidates that he does, and uh, what he thinks about the Fords as he gears up to lead John Tory in yet another campaign against Doug Ford in the next municipal election. So uh, you volunteer with Belinda Stronach, you sell memberships in 2003, then you go to work for an MPP that, or an MP that nobody's ever heard of, and then you reemerge in like 2009, 2010, you're, uh, you're running uh, Rob Ford's campaign. How did you get so senior in politics so quickly? Uh, so I built a call, so I realized by looking at financial returns that I could make a business by building a call center because every campaign spent twenty or 30000 bucks on call center. So I built a call center. I didn't have any capital, so I was looking at at-home models. Mm-hmm. And this VoIP back then was patchy and new and spotty, but I started an at-home call center. And then I realized that I needed to grow my business, so I needed to partner with someone who had a larger reach. And Richard Chiano was Peter Van Loan's campaign manager in 04, Peter okay. and Peter won in his his election. And Richard was also vice president of the federal party, and he was in charge of training. And so I partnered my business with him. He was also happened to be a researcher. Okay. Yeah. Right, a market researcher. And because I'm not a market, I mean, I guess I am a market researcher. You're in the business of market research. Yeah. But I don't have a professional designation as a certified market research professional because you have to have a university degree to have that designation. And I, I didn't finish university. So, so I partnered with Richard and it was Richard. So I, the Ford campaign went through multiple campaign managers early on. And um, it was a gong show. Um, and Who was uh, the first one? The first one, I believe, the first person who thought he was in charge was uh, Dean French. Mm-hmm. That lasted maybe three or four days, I hear, from what I hear. And then it was Mark Tui. Yeah. Uh, but Mark Tui had the title of chief of staff. To, anyway, cause, because Doug Ford, right? Because Doug Ford was really trying to control everything and run everything. Okay. So I think after two or three managers, Richard Chiano got brought into a meeting and um, he became the deputy campaign manager. He realized Doug needed the title of campaign manager. So Richard became deputy campaign manager. Wise move because it actually allowed us the opportunity to put some structure into the campaign um, as best we could. Richard brought me into the campaign once a week to help out. It turned out that uh, I was more suited to dealing with the Ford brothers than Richard was. And then, uh, yeah, Richard came to me after about six or eight weeks and said, you know, for his mental health, he uh, he couldn't do this job anymore. He had to step out. So I said, okay, well, I 
I'll try to take the job. Um, Doug didn't want me because I was very vocal about Doug and right. the, sh- the shenanigans. Um, but they needed me because they had already gone through now three or four managers. They couldn't afford to go through another one and be public about it. So, so let's take a, let's take a step back. When did you decide that Rob Ford should be the mayor of Toronto? And why did you decide that he should be the mayor of Toronto? Well, I didn't... I, I mean, I grew up in Windsor, and I wasn't particularly fond of Toronto and all the attention Toronto gets. Right. So um, back then, uh, I didn't know Toronto. Like, if you said to me, where's Cabbage Town? I would say, I don't know. If you said to me, where's the 427? I'm like, I think that's the highway I go right by before I get off at the Ford factory. But I really didn't know anything about Toronto. The research um, showed that what Rob was talking about was important to about 60 or 70 percent of Torontonians. Was he talking about it before you told him to talk about it? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So he came genuinely to this political philosophy on his own. Absolutely. And you said, I can work with this and I'm fine with it. Yeah, let me go in the field and do some research. They didn't believe in research. um, But we found out that some of the things he was talking about were more important than others. And Richard did some focus groups. And in those focus groups, we were showing videos of Rob Ford at City Council. So on a tear about pride, on a tear about bicycle lanes, on a tear about a whole whack of things. And then one of the clips, um, he used the term gravy train. Um, And we noticed right away, I was behind the glass, I noticed right away the physical reaction of people in the the room. So at break time, I I told Richard that we should run that again and we should probe around it more. And we were right. It, it, It invoked... A react. People were like nodding, and yeah. and uh, so so we did a couple more groups around it, and that's where we came up with the unofficial slogan of the campaign, which was "Stop the Gravy Train." The official slogan was "Respect for Taxpayers." So I think at the time that you're doing these groups, I'm attending a fundraiser at the uh, Fairmont Royal York for uh, George Smith event. And pretty much everybody who's ever shown any interest in who the mayor of Toronto ought to be from right, left, over is all there. Part of the Smitham team, Ralph Lean is there, the whole kit and caboodle. Everybody's there, and it looks like he's unassailable. Unassailable. What did you see that was vulnerable? Oh, no, they, they, people just, they hated George Smitherman. Um, they they did. I I, you know, what they hate about him. Well, n- so not the person, right? Like I, you know, uh, at the time I didn't even know who George Smitherman was. I just knew what he represented, right? Mm-hmm. He represented green energy contracts. He represented the government. Like he was all the bad things about the government uh, provincially. Um, he was a downtown, you know, know it all elite. Um, unfair to to him, right? Like a, a somewhat unfair to him, but he represented all those things people were upset about. That David Miller, like the taxes, the garbage strike, all of those things. So um, I could tell that Torontonians didn't want a George Smitherman or another David Miller. Right? They didn't want that, and I could tell that that uh, they didn't necessarily want Rob Ford. But they wanted what Rob Ford was talking about. And um, 
all the campaigns at the end were trying to talk about what Rob Ford was talking about, but it was too late. They spent too much time attacking him. Right. So had they just got got on to the policies sooner, then it would have probably been a closer race and, and maybe George would have won. Do you think actually as you watch Trump now and having lived through the Ford thing, do you think that the opponents of these politicians actually give these politicians a bit of a free ride in a sense by focusing so much on their personal lot, personal picadillos and mannerisms uh, and perhaps outrageous things that they say that actually the policy scrutiny isn't really there on some of these candidates? Yeah, yeah, I, I do. I do. And, you know, with Ford, I wasn't from Toronto. I had read things about Ford's um, drinking. I had read things about Ford's drug abuse. I had read things about Ford uh, abuse of his wife. But I was with him. I mean, you lived in the house, right? I lived in the factory. Oh, you lived in the factory. Okay. Which is like their home. That's where they live. That's where they hang out. That's okay. where the fam- Ford family is all the mm. time. So you knew them better, in a sense, than most campaign managers would know a candidate. Absolutely. Yeah. And Rob was sober. I was working out with him every day for two hours, uh, every day on the track at the football field. This was my chance to get him away from Doug and talk yeah. to him personally. Mm. Um, um, he was, you know, sober. He talked to me about why he wanted to do these things. It made perfect sense to me. Um, I saw the way he tra- treated his kids and his wife. It seemed reasonable, right? Like it didn't seem like he didn't raise his voice with her. He wasn't mm. condescending. He certainly never, you know, wasn't abusive in any way. So, um, so were they putting on an act for you there, or what's the dissonance between what we've come to understand about that family and what's going on there, and the, what you saw when you were living? There? Well, it's quite interesting, and you ask about that because I have my own issues with alcoholism um, that I guess began around that time um, after he won. Um, but yeah, he fell back into it. Uh, he started drinking. The, the pressure, the stress was too much. The, the job was too much. I know because I was the chief of staff for the first little while. And frankly, um, you know, I was making a lot of the decisions on his behalf. Right. Um, and uh, and fighting back against Doug, uh, you know, I found an outlet in alcohol too. So um, I was fired uh, because I deserved... You were fired. You didn't quit. I was fired. Uh, I deserved to be fired. Um, I tried to fire one of the staffers that I thought was was potentially um, helping with the addiction, helping the mayor. Um, I fired him. They didn't like that I fired him. They wanted me to unfire him. Um, yeah, the enablers are usually pretty popular. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they wanted me to unfire him. We had a meeting. Uh, the staffer, myself, the mayor, and the brother. And uh, Doug wanted me to kiss and make up, and the mayor wanted me to kiss and make up, and I said no. And uh, I said, he goes where I go. And the mayor said, are you giving me an ultimatum? And I said, wow, that's a four-syllable word. You've come a long way, your worship. And he said, you're fired. And I deserved it, and... uh, it was that was it. I was done. So I was on the I was on the highway in two hours going home. So, but at some point you decided that Rob Ford shouldn't be the mayor of Toronto anymore. Was that before that or after that? No, it was after that. I was like worried uh, for him, and I still talked to him after. Uh, but when you know when it got into the the drugs, that's when I decided I can't help these guys anymore, and and I stopped helping them. 
So, right. Stop talking to them. Right. Right. What's the most important thing you learned from your experience with the Fords? Um, I learned that uh, that the public the public needs a voice, and eventually they'll get a voice. So, um, if things get bad enough, the public will get behind anyone who's who who they feel will 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 further their collective agenda. And that I I learned that um, that uh, you can harness that in a campaign, um, and anybody can win an election. Right. So that takes us sort of into the heart of why you're controversial, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, be- some of the things that I've done on my own, too. No, right? let's, leave, let's, leave that, <laughs> let's leave that aside and let's focus on the essential thing of um, people talk about you. And by the way, you and I have something else in common. We, we, you and I have both been referred to as thugs by our political opponents yeah. Um, yeah. Over, over time in the past. Um, but uh, people talk about you... As if you're different somehow, as if you're less principled or less scrupulous than the other people that do this business. That's not true. Like, it's just not true. Right? Right? It's easy to say that. Right. It's easy to say because... Where do people get that impression from? Well, I mean, uh, you know, like uh, we did phone calling in Montreal or in Collars Riding. Right. Um, But, you know, people don't know the real story behind that. The party script was actually quite worse than what the 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 actual script was that we went with because we told the party you can't actually say this this would be a violation of this ethical rule this would be could be a violation of this law so we went with a script that was lawful and in the end nobody was sued we did weren't taken to court because we broke any rules right Mm. in the end the uh, market research intelligence association uh did sanction us because they found a technical problem with how i presented the company because we weren't making research calls into cotler's writing we were making telemarketing calls and so because we were using our research credentials to defend our marketing company's work, we were sanctioned. Mm. Uh, and that's fine. That was fair ruling. You know, I accepted it. I'm thinking more about the campaigns you're running, though, right? And when you watch a campaign that's run by me or Jenny Byrne or Guy Giorno or Jerry Butts and Katie Telford, do you see any difference in the way they approach those campaigns and the way you approach a campaign? Do you see any reason why people would write magazine articles in McLean's saying you're a different and kind of campaign manager? No, I don't run campaigns any differently than you guys, right? right. So I, I don't think so. I think that I look and consider all the things that you guys look and consider as well. Um, I think that there is a bias in the media, uh, What's that bias? Well, they just—they're not right wingers, right? My—I mm-hmm. don't think all media uh, are are downtown elites, but I think most of them are yeah. establishment elite yeah. type thinkers, and I think that um, they don't like it when they're told no. And uh, yeah, I mean, people don't call me; companies don't call me because they want to talk about the future of their business and the brand. They only call me when they have a problem that they need dealt with. Mm-hmm. They need sorted out because they don't want to really associate with a guy like me because of my controversial controversial perception. 
But when the rubber meets the road and they have to fix a problem, that's that's when I get called and to, to come in and look at things and maybe find a solution for them and sometimes not. Well, it's hard to argue. I mean, we can talk about the most recent Conservative convention in a few minutes. But generally, given Rob Ford, John Tory, uh, BC Liberals, it's pretty hard to argue with your with your record overall. So it's not, I don't think that anybody's alleging you're ineffective. In fact, it's probably your effectiveness that in part drives them crazy. But liberals uh, tend to, and I I use that in a small L sense, not a big L sense, tend to see your campaigns for some reason more so than they've seen other conservative campaigns as capitalizing on kind of dark forces out there and, um, and, you know, rallying sort of the, the making, making the, uh, making the people angry so that they, they revolt. Yeah, I but I so, you know, with Rob Ford's campaign, I I I'm not sure he would have won without our help, but we didn't come up with any crazy policy. These were all his things. The right. public was in line. We just were able to keep them on a message and talk to them about. Like for Rob Ford, the biggest thing that I did for him was ask him in a way where he wasn't threatened in private, "Why do you answer the questions the media asks you and he said well buddy they asked the question i give them the answer and i'm like but why don't we play a game with them why don't we have six answers that we always give we listen carefully to the question and decide which one of the six is the best one to answer with and we never let them make us say anything other than one of these six things right and he said okay and we wrote the script for six answers and I said, when you're in trouble and you don't know which answer is the best one, go with this one. And, right. and that one was, I'm not tearing down the gardener for $300 million. So whenever he didn't know what to answer, that was the answer. <laughs> and he loved that game. And he was good at it. Mm. And, uh, and so that he won. With John Tory, like to literally suggest that John Tory um, would do some dark arts stuff to win it's just silly right we know who john is and and we know what a good person he is um and my job in that campaign was to say okay john you're too much of a gentleman here like this is what a political uppercut looks like and this is how you should deliver it on doug ford let's practice Mm. and then he did and with christy clark do you feel any guilt about working against the Fords? no why not because it was Doug Ford, and he's a mean and nasty person, and he always was. I would have a hard time working against Rob Ford, but like mm-hmm. for me, defeating Rob Ford was the only way to help him get closer to mm-hmm. recovery. How can you want both Rob Ford and John Tory to be the mayor? What's, what's that? How can you want both Rob Ford and John Tory to be the mayor? Aren't they kind of polar opposites as people? Well, I want other than both being vaguely conservative, but. So, I mean, I have a business, uh, businesses, we do research, we do marketing, uh, we do fundraising and those sorts of things. And at the end of the day, I'm working for the candidate that I believe has, is where the public wants to be. So in 2010, the public wanted change and they wanted less streetcars, less bike lanes, and less money being spent on all sorts of things that was money was being spent on. So Rob Ford was the obvious choice. Um, in 2014, it was time for Rob Ford to go. Mm. Um, but it wasn't for me. It wasn't time for Olivia Chow to come in. 
And John Tory said that he was considering running and he wanted to know if I would work. And this time you didn't scare him out? What's that? This time you didn't scare him out. This time, I think the people around John Tory didn't want me to come work on the campaign. Um, but they also didn't want me working for the Fords. Mm. I had already said publicly I wasn't working for the Fords, but since nobody believes what I say mm. uh, to be true, uh, they were worried, I guess, that I would work for the Fords. So John asked me to help Well, him. and they wanted to win. And they all, the ones I've talked to, pretty much concede that you were instrumental to that, uh, to that Tory victory. I, yeah, I, was, I was a big part of it. But, you know, Tom Allison did a good job running the campaign, and Andy Pringle did a great job with the fundraising. And I don't want to leave people out, but, I mean, we had lots of people doing lots of things on that campaign. Yeah. So we're two days out from the National Conservative Leadership Convention. Yes. Choice of Andrew Scheer. Uh, you uh, were supporting Kelly Leach. You were at one point running Kelly Leach. Some people suggest you invented Kelly Leach's campaign. Um, and at one point, she was a front runner, and you were confident. What happened? Kevin O'Leary okay, came tell in me, the race. Tell me how that dynamic affected the race. So uh, Kelly is relatively unknown. Uh, those who know her really well don't like her. Uh, those who don't know her really well don't have any good reason to support her. Um, she is a very smart and very hardworking person who's accomplished a lot in the professional world. And she really wants to be the leader of the Conservative Party. And she asks me to help her. And I say, yes, I mean, let's do it. Um, With this type of campaign, you have a lot of people from across the spectrum. So you have professionals who, who want her to be professional. And they're thinking about running the smart woman, hardworking woman, the Hillary Clinton campaign right um and then you have um more conservative types the jim flaherty people right who are around her who want her to be more conservative my job is to go out and do the research and figure out the path and and the path to victory for her was an impossible almost impossible but um we picked the path lane that could get her there and and of course this is what she wanted to do. You can't make a candidate do something they don't want to do. Um, she tells the pe- the media when they ask that this was her decision. I tell them that, but the media doesn't want to believe that. Somehow I'm using a voodoo doll in a basement and I've tricked Kelly Leach into doing But this is what she wanted to do. And it worked. Um, it raised her profile. Um, she went from zero to front runner by mid-December. Right. And then Kevin O'Leary entered the race and half of her support went to Kevin. Um, and we tr- we tried our, our darndest... Did half of everybody's support go to Kevin or was she particularly vulnerable to No, O'Leary? she was particularly vulnerable. The people that we were going after were the people who were really fed up with uh, how unfair the system has become for those that have worked hard and not taken from the system and have come into retirement now and they want to get what they thought they were paying into and they're not getting what they thought they were paying into and newcomers to Canada are getting everything. That's who we were going after. And there's a lot of those people in the Conservative Party. 
our research showed that 20, when you ask conservatives to tell you what kind of a conservative they are, 20% would say of the legacy Harper members, which was about half of the membership in total. For mm-hmm. the, yeah, 20% would say they're social conservative and 20% would say they're reform and less than 10% would say red Tory. And then the other 50% or so, 45% or so, would say they're mm. fiscal conservatives. So Kelly Leach could not ever compete with Max Bernier on fiscal conservatism. And Kelly Leach could never be a social conservative. And Kelly Leach is a red Tory, but there was never enough support for her to win as a red Tory. So Kelly Leach had to be the reformer, in our view. Right. Okay, so ultimately, what was the impact of if O'Leary had been on the ballot yes. on Saturday? How would he have done? Um, it looked like he would have won. Really? Yeah, yeah. He came. that convention that elected Andrew Shear, yeah, would have elected Kevin O'Leary. I believe so. I believe that he was winning. I believe he sold the most memberships. I believe he raised the most money in the short time that he was in the race. Uh, he took half of Kelly's support. He had a lot of support. Like, there's more than... Like, I have a lot of data points to show that. And, um, you know, he says he quit because he couldn't win in Quebec and so on and so forth. But um, he quit because there was a significant chance he was couldn't maybe not win. The, the chance was too great. It wasn't 100% sure for him. That's why he quit. Did you read that piece by Mike Coates in the National Post? Uh, I think last I, week the the sort of the, the here's what happened inside and Kevin was re- never really committed and that's right we found that out too late. What do you think of all that? Yeah, I think that's true. I think I think I think at some point Kevin realized this was way more work than he was willing to do. If he won, that meant he couldn't do all the things he wanted to do. Isn't this a terrible indictment of both him and of the people around him that you would have gotten to this point and have done? created such carnage within the race itself and caused people to commit to you and work for you. And, so, and then you, and then as it gets closer, you go, oh, I don't really want this thing. Maybe we can finish second. Can we orchestrate this to finish second? I've never heard a candidate say that in my life. Well, on a, like on a, like on a, look, so at the end of the day, the, the members are the voters and they pick. And so they picked Andrew Shear, right. and I'm happy for Andrew and I'm happy for the members. That's who they picked, right? Mm. But on a personal level, like, I, I know Kevin. I've met him a few times. He's a jerk. Uh, he's selfish and self-centered. Uh, it's all about him. And it's all about money. And uh, you can't have a party leader who's in it all about the money. No. Right? Like, the, one of the reasons I worked for Kelly is because she could go make two, three million bucks a year being a doctor and sitting on boards. And she chooses to make 165000 a year being an MP. Right. right. That's why right. one of the reasons right. I worked for her. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a tangible evidence of that commitment to the public. Yeah. That she's in it for the better reasons, right? Hmm. Andrew Shear, like, the guy's a family man. Um, he's certainly not in it for the money. Um, you know, he. I think he's going to be a great leader. Although at the age of 25, when he was elected, it was good money. Well, it is good money. MPs and politicians make good money too. Mm. But I I do think that, I don't know what Andrew's capacity is outside of politics, but I know Kelly's capacity is is quite significant. And I know Maxine could make a lot more money uh, 
uh, in the public or in the private sector, um, and so they're committed to to uh, to the public. Kevin O'Leary isn't, in my view. How do how does Shear beat Trudeau? How does Shear beat Trudeau? Um, I I believe that uh, that uh, immigration reform, tightening immigration uh, rules, will be one of the pillars. Or should be one of the pillars. Uh, fiscal management will be another one, and um, the elites versus the common person will be another theme. Right. Do you think Trudeau is easily castable as an elite versus Sheer? I think Trudeau's a dummy. Like, I actually think he's personally not very bright. Um, I don't think for a second that uh, he can do an, a simple algebra equation. I don't think that he can relate with the average person on the street. Um, I don't think he's taken seriously by his colleagues on the world stage. Um, I think he's going to go down in flames just like his dad did after his first term. Really? Because it doesn't look like that. It doesn't look like that. It didn't look like Rob Ford could win. It didn't look like Christy Clark could win. It didn't look like John Tory could win. Hmm. Uh, it doesn't look good for Kathleen Wynne right now, but I think if I was a betting person, I'd put my money on her to be premier at the end of next year. So, well, yeah, we'll drink to that, <laughs> or not, as the case may be. Um, I don't want her to win, but no. I think she will. <laughs> as uh, just getting back to uh, Sheer versus Trudeau for for a second, um, two things about what you said interest me. One of which is you you obviously still think that the immigration issue has real political legs. So the Trudeau government um, made a big deal out of the Syrian refugee issue in the election campaign. A lot of people think that was one of the reasons why they won that campaign. Uh, And then they've increased, uh, uh, I think, uh, numbers of uh, immigrants um, that Canada allows in each year, like 50,000 or something uh, Mm -hmm. since coming in. Um, You think that's bad politics? I I do. I I uh, it's not that um we shouldn't be bringing immigrants uh to Canada. I just think the way we're doing it and the way we're loosening some of the rules around visas and I don't think is um I don't think it's smart. Mm. So I think we should be I think we're the best country in the world. I think we have a lot to offer. I think there are millions of people who would like to come here every year. I think we get to choose who comes and who doesn't. Mm. And for the economic immigrants, I think we should be more choosy. I think there should be a tougher pro- screening process. And then for the for the immigrants that we're bringing here on humanitarian on a humanitarian basis, I think we should be bringing more. I just think that the way. What we- does this mean in politics, though, Nick? Like, why do people react to this politically? Well, I'll tell you why. Uh, I think. Um, I think that um, my my mother uh, has worked her whole life and paid into EI and CPP, and I think she has a job now, but she's old, and she shouldn't be working. But the CPP and the OAS that may is going to be coming shortly is not enough to live off of, and I think that um, you bring in an immigrant and they have a family. And they're getting something around $3,500 to $4,000 a month. I think it's a shame that so many uh, people who are who have paid into the system aren't getting uh, enough out of it. And you look at new people coming to Canada. When they came to Canada, there wasn't this stuff. There wasn't this stuff. Um, 
I also believe that the integration that programs, the integration system we have is so weak today compared to what it was before. Before right. you came here, you had nothing. You you got a job. You integrated. There was second language training. There were things the government offered there, and they still offer second language training. But back then, we met every immigrant, and they each got an interview. It was 1995 where we started to loosen that. It was yeah. it was Paul Martin's budget cuts <laughs> and balancing that led to the first uh, first cut in face to face interviews. It was a subsequent Paul Martin Paul Martin budget in 1999 that led to another massive cut in face to face interviews because for budgetary reasons. Stephen Harper kept it going because conservatives couldn't be seen as tightening immigration. We wanted to be seen as open to immigrants. Right? And why is that? So you've inverted that politics on its head. At one point, Harper said, I've got to be I've got a position against this. And you now say, harness it and run with it. Yeah, I, I because I think that there's an undercurrent uh, for it. I think a lot of the people in the media are saying, oh, Kelly Leach got sixth place in leadership. That means her policy failed. But. I, there's no direct correlation to that. I, I really do think that poll after poll of the Canadian populace shows that they want a tighter immigration system. And I do think that um, this is this is an area where Trudeau is extremely weak. I mean, forget about Muslim immigration. Forget about that. Let's just talk about Mexican immigration. Let's talk about... You know, the visa ban or the visa restrictions that have recently been lifted mm. and, and what's happening there. Um, I think that the public is saying enough, right? I, th- I think so. I think there's a big place there. That combined with um, the spending uh, and the way the money's out, al- what the money's allocated to, I think people have, uh, will take issue with with green energy, with carbon tax, with the infrastructure bank. I think that people will take issue with those things. And what's the common thread that knits all those things together? Um, just uh, that uh, people will realize that Stephen Harper's fiscal management was what they wanted. They just didn't like the way he dealt with things. And it was time to put all politicians in check by throwing him out. Like the Duffy stink and all the stuff that comes with the government over a long period, but that they'll be happy to revert back to Stephen Harper policies through Andrew Scheer, I think, uh, for a time and just send the liberals a message that they're not happy. Let's go south the border for a second. Yeah. Donald Trump, your template of a plain spoken political outsider who says the uncomfortable untruths, uh, the un- uncomfortable truths to people. Um, is a pretty much of a match for Trump. Uh, you ran that template here in Canada before him, but that sounds a lot like Donald Trump. My impression of the Trump administration is that it is an absolute shit show. It is just a disaster um, at every level on a competence side of things, leaving everything else aside, leaving aside what they're trying to do, that just the basic level of competence is shocking. Is Trump the end of this movement or is Trump the beginning of something? Uh, so um, if we look at John Tory has pretty much capped Rob Ford's fiscal policies in place. So the next administration, it will be a different one. I don't think Trump will be reelected. Um, if you ask me if I'm supportive of Trump as president, I would say no. 
If you asked me if I had to pick between him and Hillary Clinton, I would pick him 10 times out of 10. So the next administration will probably proceed with what he's trying to do on many policy fronts. Mm -hmm. Just do it differently. Yes, one of the ways I think that it might be the end of that movement is because it feels to me, and this is admittedly a liberal watching a conservative campaign and trying to understand how it works, and that's different. So, But watching his campaign and watching his government, it feels to me like the things that those people were yearning for aren't really the agenda of the people around Trump. If they were ever Trumps, they're not the agenda of the people around Trump who are not populists. They're all business titans, uh, nor is it the agenda of the people in Congress. Those people may have thought Obamacare was terrible, but they didn't vote to not have health care. Those people didn't vote for the kind of massive budget cuts that Trump is talking about and entitlement cuts. Um, so is, is it not possible that these people that were really hurting and voted for somebody who was going to shake up the system because they knew that the reliable purveyors of the status quo were killing them, so Hillary's out. So this guy's a change agent. He says he's going to do this stuff. He goes in. He runs a Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell agenda. And people say, well, what was that all about? That wasn't what I voted for. But they haven't said that yet. And though some of those things are happening, the idea that... Um, so what's happening, in, what's happening in America? What's happening in Canada with regular people? So we have forgotten what delayed gratification is. Our parents tried to teach us that. Uh, We want everything. We want everything now. We're getting fat. We're getting lazy. We're becoming entitled. We want everything. And in America's case, America has given a lot away. They they have. They've given a lot to a lot of other people and countries in the world. and, And Trump tapped into that. You know, what does everybody want? They want, they want, a job, they want to lower taxes, they want better government, they want safety and security, they want a future for their children. And and Trump is still, I, I, I don't believe that Trump has completely lost the ball here. He, he, if, he can, if he can hold on and, and get these lower taxes and, and uh, tighten up the trade deals, and I mean, he is, there have been a lot of jobs that have been created in the last six months. Well, well, more than what Obama did uh, in four, the last four years. I mean, something positive is happening over there. I don't think the media wants to talk about those things. Mm. But do do I think he's uh, a little bit nutty? Yeah, I do. You know, I, I do. And do I think there's a big power? Like, so what the biggest problem I think Trump has is it's not clear who's in charge. Right. Right. Trump is the type of person who wants to, he wants people to tell him what he wants to hear. He doesn't want it seems to me he doesn't like so i you know, i look at ford right I, I compare him to ford with ford he loved playing everyone against each other he never really wanted a clear uh, and precise command and control structure right um because he never really wanted to upset anybody and so trump is the same way i think i think trump has too many advisors there's too many agendas. It's not clear who's really in charge, and that's his biggest problem. If he can clear that up, then he can probably get some things done. But I agree with you. People want health care. So you look at the you look at the data that you do, and I, I don't think there's any doubt that despite your lack of academic qualifications, you're one of the most astute political readers of survey data. 
out there. So you look at your data from a perspective of how do I elect conservatives. If you were to look at it from the perspective of how do I elect liberals, given the context, the elect the political context out there, these people that you're talking about that feel this anger, that feel um, that are motivated by either Ford or Trump or um, or in some ways the Kelly Leach campaign, these voters that you've been tooling with, yeah, is there any way liberals could speak to those voters? Yeah, absolutely. How? They, I mean, it's the same. Like, there's. You know, I see that I see that Trudeau, and I, I think it's Butts, and, and maybe it's you. Um, it ain't me. It ain't you. No. Maybe it's maybe it's you behind the scenes saying things. But I see how the liberals federally are talking about how they tapped into the populist and the change uh, wave, right. uh, and they did a little bit. Um, they did a little bit, but not but not really. I mean, I think the Liberals won a majority because they promised to legalize marijuana and a whole bunch of young people came out to vote for legalized marijuana. Um, I don't think it was anything other than that. And uh, It's only young people in your point of view? What's that? It's only young people? Yeah, I mean, all, that's what that's what gave you guys that's what gave you guys more seats than us, right? Because our six million people still showed up, right? right? Even though a lot of them died off because they're old, there were still six million of our people that showed up. It's just all the kids that wanted legal marijuana uh, showed up for you guys because you guys promised it and mm. that was smart um, and I know you guys did this because one of my friends who is from Greece who's here on a visa got an ad directed to him through Facebook that's in Greek from the Liberal Party about legalizing marijuana and encouraging him to vote and he's not a citizen. So I know that's what you guys were up to. Um, no, that's a level of sophistication I didn't know we had. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's amazing. And uh, if I did that, it would be, holy cow, these guys would do anything <laughs> to get their guys elected, including break the law. Let's start a commission, a royal commission, to find out what happened here. And you guys do it, and it's like, well, we're cool, right? <laughs> so anyway, so, um, um, but no, the liberals, so I do think the liberals... Like in BC, they say the liberals are conservatives, um, and they're the government, and it's old and it's stale, and people do want change. But the the, the liberals are pretty good out there about tapping into this to, to this stuff. And uh, you guys here in Ontario are are good at it. I mean, I'm looking very different approach. Different, but look, the the recent so you saw my polling. I had the liberals back. Tied for first place with the Tories, not way back. Mm. Um, it's directly related to balanced budget, a promise and a reduction of hydro prices, uh, a program around basic income, a program around pharmacare, and um, that's popular, right? These things are popular things. And so we see the brand numbers moving. We don't see the premier's numbers moving yet, but that will follow. Mm. The brand will pull the premier up. In my view, that's what's going to happen. And in the absence of an alternative, that people will go with what they what they they can count on and what they know. Right. So, right. so you guys are doing it. I think. Um, I, I think the liberals can do it. The NDP can certainly do it. They just haven't figured out how. They really haven't. No, nope. they were so close. They were so close. But ironically, as they as they felt that they were competitive and they moved to what they thought was the center. I think that they didn't realize that the center had moved and that they were actually moving, you know, 
past the center and becoming, especially with their uh, with their fiscal platform in the last federal campaign and provincial campaigns, largely irrelevant to their own voters. You do have to pay some attention to your base. Yeah, mm. I so I like I fought the NDP in the last BC election four years ago. Mm. I could not understand what they were doing. Uh, and then the Chow campaign in Toronto was basically the NDP campaign, though they mm. pretended not or tried to pretend not they weren't. Um, and I could not understand for the life of me what they were doing. It was hard to really figure out. I don't think there was a strategy. I think there was a strategy, but it kept changing. And and then I've watched the NDP this time in BC be a little more successful, but they still weren't able to actually do it. Um, and uh, no, they haven't figured it out. Mm. So it's right there. It's so simple. It's right for the NDP. It's right there. Like, just just come out and say, it's not fair that this is happening. We're going to give you guys this. It's not fair that this is how we're going to give you guys this. You know, um, people are ready for tax the rich, screw the corporations. Enough is enough. But the NDP is not there. Yeah. I don't know why. So, you know, let's close up on a little bit about you. Um, you... Um, I've I've actually only run a few campaigns uh, in Canada and uh, at the federal or provincial level, and I, I basically have sort of two criteria. One of which is I only run liberal campaigns, and the second thing is they have to be people that I know well and have developed some relationship with. I worked with Ralph Goodale, and I worked with Paul Martin, and I'm working with Kathleen Wynne, and I've worked with a few other people. But those are the primary and. Um, so that's really restricted the number of campaigns I work on. You feel like you're going to work on a lot more campaigns over the course of your career than I, than I have. What do you, what is your criteria? How do you pick people? Um, so you know uh, the reason I worked for Kelly Leach most recently is because I liked her and I liked what she's done uh, with her career and um, and how, I know how many people she's helped over the years both in medicine and in politics. Right. So that's why I worked with her. With John Tory, I felt that I was I had some responsibility for the Ford disaster, though I really didn't know. Um, I felt bad that I had foisted or helped foist this on the city, so I wanted to help get him out of there, and I wanted him to be out of politics so he could go deal with his health issues, and we were just too late, right? Um, so that's why I did that uh, with the Christy Clark stuff. Got it. Like it, anytime someone wants to stop the NDP from winning an election, you know, just call me. I'm I'm in for that. <laughs> but I think I'm I think I'm almost done campaigns uh, just for my own health issues. I can't do them anymore. Um, I'm gonna I'm committed to John Tory if John Tory wants me uh, and needs my help. I'll be there to help him. I don't know. It's right after a campaign. You say that you're tired. Well, Sometimes no. I feel tired. When I saw you no. early in the federal campaign and Kelly's campaign was going well, there was uh, your eyes were alive. Like you were into it. I, I was, and I was happy for her, and I'm still happy for her. I think I think that she looks great. I think her French is now around six and a half out of ten. And it was at two. I think that she's got a big following like I, I the the leader was defending her vigorously on ctv program yesterday she's on the front bench today i think everything's good for her right. um no no honestly i we at my company we just brought in a new ceo we spent a year searching um so we have a new ceo at the research firm we are searching for a new ceo for the marketing company i am starting to step back a bit 
um, just because it's too much for me personally. It's just, it's too much stress to run campaigns. So will I do research? Um, I'm always the guy who will be happy to tell the candidate that they're wrong and they're being stupid. And so I'll always have a value. I'll always get a phone call to help deal with a candidate mm. uh, and say, no, you're wrong. Absolutely. Or deal with the spouse or deal with the father or sister or whatever. That mm. I do that well. I have no problems doing that. Um, and a lot of people shy away from that, right? So, so I'll always play a role in campaigns, but I'm done managing campaigns. <laughs> I'm done. I can't, I can't physically do it anymore. Well, David Axelrod and I agreed that it's a job for young people, but we were actually thinking about you when we said it, not, uh, not ourselves. So, like you, yeah. you, you, you do research. Uh, you, I, from what I understand, you speak truth to power. You do it all quietly behind the scenes. It's, uh, it's a good business. You like doing it. You're good at research. It's kind of where I want to be. Um, I'm 41. And, uh, you know, I just uh, the stress of running campaigns and dealing with personalities. I'm, I'm not I used to be good at it. Right. I'm not as good at it anymore. Right. So right. I'm just not. So. Well, there you go. Yeah. On that note, thanks for joining us today. Nick Cuvallis, you've thanks. had an enormous impact on Canadian public life already. And I'm sure that that role is not over. So thanks for coming in and talking with us today. Thanks for having me. I wish you uh, all the success in the world with this new uh, venture that you've started. Um, I, I have a, a lot of time for you. I think you're the best in the business. And um, I wish you all the best. Thanks, brother. I've been encouraging people to navigate their way through iTunes to rate and review this podcast. And the feedback really does matter to us. This is new. We're experimenting. We're looking for ways to improve. So if you like it, find a way to tell us that, even if you've rated us before. And if, like Sandra, who commented, Hurley is a loser, which some days I can't argue with, we want that feedback too. So please give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you've already done it, find a way to give us some more feedback. Thank you.